He grew up a non-Catholic. Marriage was on the horizon. Then he had this crazy thing. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen and Father John Titus of our diocese down in Mattoon joining us today on Dive Deep. Father John, good to see you. How are you? Thanks. Doing well. Doing well. And we're having you on because you have an incredible vocation story. As I mentioned, a non-Catholic, marriage was, you were talking marriage, thinking marriage, then you had this crazy thing. We're going to get into that crazy thing. Um, and we want to bring you in because, again, I think so many people think of our priests and they just, they were born with a collar when they came out of the womb. Uh, you are definitely not that story. It's an incredible story, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, you grew up in Mattoon. Uh, you attended a, a Presbyterian church growing up as a child and then even in your years uh, when you went to Eastern uh, Illinois University. You even visited a Presbyterian seminary at one point. So you were, <clears throat> things were really going on in your head like, you know, Presbyterian is, is, is the way to go. First things first, what do you remember about your faith at that point in the time of your life? I was uh, committed, active in our, in our church in, in Mattoon. Every uh, youth group, every Wednesday afternoon, we had choir practice, and uh, was, that was a part of that, All, a lot of youth activities, and it was just an integral part of, part of life. And I mean, you know, growing up, I know you had Catholic relatives. Um, you'd even sometimes go to Mass at, at Immaculate Conception, which, of uh-huh. course, we'll get into that because it's a small world. That's where you're a pastor of right now. Um, and then you got involved in the pro-life movement. And I know from your story in the past, you, you've talked in Catholic Times about it, where this is, is this kind of the point where the wheels started turning about this Catholic thing? Because you noticed so many people involved in the pro-life movement happened to be Catholic. Absolutely. In our pro-life group in Mattoon, and even later in, on campus at Eastern, all the folks were were Catholic. Uh, and while that's not true today, you know, it's much more broader based. Uh, folks in the in the pro-life movement, uh, I begin to think, you know, well, where are the folks? And and this is not a criticism, but a self-awareness. Where are the folks I've been praying with all my life? It seemed the whole challenges of, of pro-life were were so real, and to me the the civil rights issue of the of the last half of the 20th century. Uh, why was this not so obvious to others? And what was there about the Catholic faith that uh, inspired a, a witness and a commitment uh, outside of the a Sunday morning presence? Now, even in this time in your life, so this is more in college. Do I have that right? When this, you know, the, you were still, you know, you were Presbyterian, you were practicing. Um, as I mentioned, you were even thinking about going to the seminary. So, these thoughts of Catholicism, were they just kind of little blips on the radar? And you're like, ah, you know, those Catholics, oh, they're great. They're really pro-life, but I'm still, I'm still committed to being Presbyterian. It was deeper than just a blip on the radar. As a matter of fact, I think in junior high, I remember how in the Parade Sunday magazine, there was a, the Knights of Columbus always had a little uh, column and a little ad, and you could uh, cut out and send in for this uh, correspondence course and so forth. And I did all that. You know, I uh, studied the sacraments and studied the, the Catholic faith. And uh, I was just part of a general search, you know, studied other faiths. Ultimately, it became clear to me that, you know, well, this is where we came from, you know, and, and what were the, what were the, the visions and what were the separateness of, of Christianity all about? Yeah. And I know um, the Eucharist was a big part of that. How much in your, in your search 
was the Eucharist popping up in your head? You mentioned that you, you, you knew about the sacraments already, even as a Presbyterian. Um, is that ultimately what, you know, pushed you toward this, this is it. I, this is what I got to have. Absolutely. John, John chapter six, you know, my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. I think uh, just walking into, again, Immaculate Conception Church, <laughs> you knew it was, you were in a different place. You know, the, the red sanctuary lamp burning, you know, by the tabernacle. There was a, there was a sense and awareness of, of, of the presence of Christ there, and, and I wanted that. Now, in this moment, so, so you're, you're transitioning to becoming Catholic. Are you having conversations with your family? And is there any, you know, because there are people who, who want to become Catholic but may have reservations because about maybe about the family history. Oh, we're Presbyterian. We don't become Catholic. What were those conversations like with your, with your parents, with your, with your family? Frankly, there weren't a lot of conversations. Uh, you know, maybe like a lot of teenagers, you know, I was going to do my thing, you know, and I didn't really seek out. Um, but there was never any opposition. Again, um, good friends, family friends. Uh, there were, and that made my journey easier than I know it has been for a lot of folks because there wasn't uh, any kind of anti-Catholicism or, or that that I, that I had to deal with. I often thought, well, my mother probably just thought this was a stage I was going <laughs> And she was right. A stage, and now here you are as a priest. Now take us back. So uh, at what, what age did you become Catholic, and, and what do you remember about that day? It was right. I was out of college. I was actually in Decatur. After my college years at Eastern Illinois University, I uh, worked in Chicago for a year, started graduate school, kind of decided this wasn't the path, moved back to Mattoon, began to work for Walgreen drugstores. It was transferred to Decatur. So it was about the year uh, 1981. Many of my coworkers at Walgreens were, were Catholic. Most of them actually went to St. Patrick's in Decatur. I needed to be at work at seven o'clock in the morning. So St. James actually had a 6.30 Mass. In those days, Father Ed Adamski was the pastor, and there was no challenge going to 6.30 Mass and being, being able to open the store at 7 o'clock <laughs> uh, in those days. And I, was, I started going to daily Mass. Finally, one day, I just knocked on the door and said, Father Ed, I, I have to become a Catholic. That began, in those days, it was, while the RCIA was probably coming into the play in some parishes. It was not. Uh, we kind of did the old traditional sit across the desk and, and hash these things out. Uh, and then one day, Father Ed said, it's time. You're ready. Um, you can come to church. We, we did a profession of faith. He said, and, and Sunday you can come to Mass and, and receive First Holy Communion. I thought, this is Thursday. I'm not waiting until Sunday. St. <laughs> Pat's had a Mass I think it was like at 11.15 or something. It was kind of an odd time for a daily mass. But, so I went over to St. Pat's, and nobody in church except the Lord and myself knew I was making my first communion that day. <laughs> Father John Carberry, um, who recently passed uh, second career vocation, uh, was the assistant there. Or Father Jim O'Shea was the pastor at the time. And... Uh, I mean, my first communion. What do you remember about, because as you said, that, that desire for the Eucharist is what ultimately brought you to Catholicism. Do you remember receiving Jesus in the Eucharist that first time? Did you have any overwhelming sensations? I remember thinking, this is it. This is it. And kind of like, okay, you're home. No matter what happens now, the, the most important thing in your life uh, is now open to you. 
The rest is in God's hands. The rest is in God's hands. Um, was there any point in your in your search for Catholicism or, or when you said you want to become Catholicism and you're doing, you know, some more research on it, was there a, a teaching that you had to kind of get over, especially being a Presbyterian? Mm-hmm. There really were not any theological obstacles. There were things I really didn't know, obviously, a lot I did not know. But it was more about gaining that knowledge. You know, I just assumed that it was it was all there, you know, it was all true, and I just had to dis- discover and continue to unwrap, like the you know, like an onion. You know, you just continue to unwrap and and get to the heart of it. Now, okay, so at this point, you're you're in your early twenties. Uh, you just became Catholic. Um, you start dating a, a woman. And priesthood isn't on the radar at this point, but now, now take us to that story because you're, you know, you're in love, you're, you're dating, you're going through, and I know you mentioned that, that marriage was on the horizon and then you had a conversation with her. So kind of pick it up where you started dating and then where these thoughts started popping in your head of, oh my gosh, is this the priesthood? Sure, exactly. <laughs> you know, the, the whole, whole ministry thing had always been there. You know, again, my journey through uh, in church, had good friends who were Presbyterian ministers and so forth, visited the Presbyterian seminary. Uh, so that, that was always part of what was in the background. And then suddenly as a, as a Catholic, oh gosh, you know, that's, that's a, whole, um, a whole different uh, set of, of uh, realities. But I was dating a co-worker at Walgreens, sister-in-law, you know, and we were, uh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was a, it was a good relationship. Uh, she had a little, a little boy and I enjoyed uh, that part of the relationship. And we were dating, you know, a couple of years, and I thought, okay, it's time to it's time to to make some some choices here. Are we moving forward or, or what? And I talked to talked to her and, and said, you know, uh, before we can take the next step, you know, it's one thing I have to get off the table, <laughs> you know, and that's the whole whole priesthood thing. And uh, let me let me pause you there really quick. So. When did that pop in your head, though? Was was this like right when you became Catholic, or, or or as you were dating? Was it kind of side by side? You're dating, but also there's this gradual like I'm kind of feeling like I might be called here. There were parallel paths. Okay, you know, I had just kind of fallen. You know, I wasn't on a real career path. You know, I was a, one of the assistant managers at the at the at the store, but I knew I didn't really want to work for Walgreens and be a you know run a drugstore. Um, so that was really not what I was thinking of future-wise. You know, I thought, okay, if we, you know, if we have this, if we get married, and 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 that could be beautiful, that could be wonderful. I'd always, you know, I had five siblings. Never imagined life without a, a family and and so forth. Could I do that? Could I run, run this drugstore, you know, and, and live happily ever after, and go to mass and work at Bingo and be a Knights of Columbus and all those wonderful things uh, that are a part of, of Catholic family life. Uh, she was a woman of faith. She was very committed to her faith. You know, again, not anti-Catholic, very uh, open to that and interested in, in, in the Catholic faith. But uh, I thought, and I remember telling her, and I don't know if this was in the article or not, but I said, you know. You, uh, said, you said it was just, you had a, a crazy thing you had to get yeah, off your chest. Sure. In sure. <laughs> I said, I've got, I've got to dismiss this, but I said, but don't worry. They'll never want me. I haven't, I haven't been Catholic all my life. You know, I'm not that smart. I'm not that holy, you know. Uh, they will say no. I'm, I'll go talk. To, I don't know how this works. I'll go talk to Father Ed, you know, or, and and I don't know what happens then. And they will say, "Thanks, but no thanks." You know, uh, 
here's our next pre cana you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and, and that's not what happened. The doors began to, one door began to open, you know, very similar to when I first approached him about becoming a Catholic. I said, Father Ed, I got I to gotta talk to you about this. You know, there's this crazy thing in my head about, you know, becoming a, becoming a priest. And uh, I don't know if this is what God wants, but I've got to be told, no, you know, and then I can move off and, and life can take a, you know, whatever God wants. How did your girlfriend take it at the time when you, when you even said, hey, I, 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 did, was that even on her radar? Was she completely shocked? I don't think she was shocked. You know, again, I had other friends, other people, people even said that to me. You know, they said, well, you just became Catholic because you're going to become a priest. You know, other people, you know, sometimes people see things and are, are more aware. You know, I think parents, you know, often know where, what direction their, their children are headed before their children know. People who love you and care about you. Um, so I think I was probably the last person <laughs> in my circle of, of acquaintances and family and loved ones to, to put all this together. So I don't think she was surprised. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think like myself, I mean, she knew me pretty well. <laughs> They're not going to want you <laughs> and that's okay. But the, the funny thing is, I know you had all those feelings of I'm not holy enough. I haven't been Catholic long enough, but as you get into the seminary, kind of all those fears melt away, right? They kind of do for sure. You know, um, and my seminary experience was unique in a sense. I went, went to Pope John the 23rd which was for second career vocations. Uh, Bishop Ryan at the time was on the board there, and I, th- I honestly think he just wanted to maintain a presence there because I was 29 when I entered the seminary. And Where's that seminary located? It's in Weston, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, we had other seminarians there before and after. It's analogous to like the Sacred Heart in Hales Cordos, Wisconsin, like where more recently uh, older guys have gone. But in those days, again, uh, I was the youngest guy in the in our class. You know, the, at twenty nine, I mean, that by no stretch of the imagination today would that be considered a second career or delayed vocation. Uh, but even in those days, so I had the first Catholic school I ever went to. My classmates were Trappist monks, Franciscan friars, uh, some gentlemen who had been permanent deacons whose wives had passed. Uh, so it was an interesting group of, of individuals. So it was kind of a crash course in Catholicism as well. Uh, and it was, it was amazing. It was wonderful. Uh, I say, and, and during your during your years in seminary, was it? Uh, did you have any have any doubts there, or, or, or did you feel right at right at home? And, and then it just you know it just solidified every year you went on. It certainly did. Yeah, I, I always say I kind of never looked back. Wonderful, supportive community. I doubted whether I would be able to fulfill the process. I doubt if I would do my part, but I never, I never had a sense that this is the wrong choice or this is the wrong path, that this is not for me. And we had a few guys leave. I don't actually know if we had anybody from our class that left during that time. Again, most of them were much older. You know, they were, uh, I remember the rector saying, our seminarians have already answered the questions that a typical seminarian, somebody going in it in their early 20s, haven't even asked yet. So, so, what do you remember about your ordination day? Ordination day was uh, uh, amazing. Uh, Saturday morning, of course. It was only the night before that the bishop uh, told us where we were going to be assigned. 
but ordination day itself was was uh, was powerful. I had my first mass later that afternoon, which was kind of unusual. You know, again, I didn't have a whole lot of experience. You know, that's today our seminarians. I'm kind of envious in a way. You know, the the the, the unity and the and the more community that they have. So I was out in Boston. Father Charlie Nelson was two years ahead of me in the in the seminary. And then when he left, I was the only one from our diocese for the last two years. So my classmates and my community was was there and I didn't have that greatest great connection, you know, with the diocese in many ways, particularly not having grown up Catholic. Uh, so I still kind of felt a stranger in some ways to a lot of what was happening. The ordination was at 10 or 11, 10 or 11 o'clock. That night at St. James Church, I had the, the five o'clock mass, and that was my that was my first mass. And then we had a little something afterwards, and I got in the car and drove down to Effingham. I'd asked Father Bob Spriggs, who was a pastor at Sacred Heart in Effingham, if I could celebrate a mass at Thanksgiving there because I celebrated or I'd spent the summer there with him at Sacred Heart, and he said. Oh, yeah, you can have the 8.30 Mass. That's the radio Mass. But if you do that, I want you to do the 7 o'clock Mass as well. So, Welcome to the priesthood. Exactly. (laughs) So by 10 o'clock on the Sunday morning after our ordination, I'd celebrated three Masses, and I was taking a nap. And my my (laughs) classmates were having their first Mass, you know, in the more traditional way that next afternoon. When you, you, there's the saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So when you look back on your journey... What goes through your mind? I mean, this, this is a pretty pretty wild ride you had here, Father John. It uh, it was it was it was beautiful, you know. It, I mean, you could never have planned it, you know. That's for sure. Uh, and it's um, like you said, welcome to the priesthood. I mean, it's you know, every day, every week of all of our lives are filled with twists and turns that uh, you can't anticipate, and it's we just you just keep showing up and being uh, <laughs> being available. Do you, do you feel at all with your with your background being originally a non-Catholic, dating, marriage on the horizon, do you feel like you, you bring something unique to the priesthood, to, to the people you serve? I don't know how unique it is, but it is, I think it's some insights. You know, I think all of our experiences, you know, uh, whether it's illness or, or coming from a, a non-Catholic background, you can anticipate things, you know, and, and maybe see where others are coming from and highlight, you know, um, some of the things that may be those challenges, you know, I think over the years I've developed a great uh, devotion to to Mary, and so often sometimes that's something that folks from other traditions don't really get because they haven't been exposed to it, and that's what it is, you know. It's teaching the the fullness of the of the faith. I often said I didn't really have to leave anything behind when I became a Catholic, but there was just Oh, there's a lot more rooms in this house than I knew, (laughs) which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And when people are exposed to the richness, one day last year, the Methodist Church Bible class came over for a tour of the church, and that was that was that was a blast. I love doing things like that because there's just so much there, you know, and everything means something, and it's and it's part of who we are, and it's part of their common heritage too. How funny it is for you to think. You know, Immaculate Conception Church played such a role in your, you know, becoming Catholic, and now you're pastor there. And I remember speaking to you. I didn't even realize the hospital was across the street exactly. at one point where you were born. Uh-huh. Now you're pastor. I mean, again, 
God's got to be up there laughing right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, when, you're, when you think about that, is that, you know, how emotional is that for you? And, and, and what goes through your mind? It is. It's beautiful. I could sit right at my desk and see the, the emergency room entrance of the old hospital thinking, oh, yeah, in the middle of a snowstorm uh, 66 years ago, here comes my mom and uh, my aunt bringing her to the hospital. And the people, the people who I see now at Daily Mass are, are, the, are the parents, you know, the people I went to school with. And it is. It's, 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 a, it's, it's an asset. I mean, you can preach it lots of ways. Every experience has its, has its openings. But it's, it's, it's nice to know the story. Yeah, <laughs> I I try to avoid the sentence. Well, when I was growing up in Mattoon, uh, I try to avoid that. But I don't always succeed. And we also got to mention you're also pastor in Sullivan. We'll get you, we'll get you out on this one, uh, Father John. So, thirty years, more than thirty years, a priest. What do you love most about it? I think that uh, again, as you kind of hinted at before, it's every day he kind of begins with, okay, here's my plan for the day, and often at the end of the day. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way. You know that it's it's never boring. It's it's uh, the opportunities that uh, God will give you. There's there's same times days like I don't really want to do this. Even you know even visiting the hospital, maybe you know it's not something I'm look, looking forward to. But then oh now I know why I'm here. You have those moments, and whether it's visiting or the phone calls or the people that you encounter in other ways, it's okay. This is what this is about. <laughs> well, there's one thing I learned about your story as we kind of hit on, you know, you just, you never know the path that God's going to lead you. In, and I guess always be open to that as well. Cause that's the other thing. Yeah. Really quick. You, you were always open to God's voice. So is that, is that something you're, you know, when you speak to, to young, young men right now who are thinking about the seminary and heck, I mean, you know, even people who are thinking about marriage, is, is it always just kind of pray, keep your mind to God and he'll show you the way. I think that's right. I think it's don't always worry about, you know, next month, six months, next year. But what's the next good step? You know, I think God will always meet us where we're at and take us to that next good step and just to trust the best is yet to come. Excellent. Father John Titus, a great story. Thank you so much for, for explaining it all, being an inspiration to us all, and thanks for coming on Dive Deep. Thank you very much. And this has been Dive Deep. If you would like more podcasts, head on over to dow.org slash podcast. And until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep. <laughs>